two chapters today, chapter 8 and chapter 9. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, uh, and uh, one of the, our ushers will, grab you, will hand you a Bible. Um, it will be very helpful for you to have a Bible in your lap so you can follow along this morning. Uh, we're covering quite a bit of ground, and we're actually going to, do, uh, to read all, uh, every, every bit of these next two chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9 of Proverbs. It's going to take us about four minutes, all right? And uh, uh, if you can't sit and listen to the Word for four minutes, uh, then you must repent of that sin. <laughs> and repent now, because it's about to happen. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 8 and reading through the whole of chapter 9. Follow along with me. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way at the crossroads she takes her stand? Beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portals she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous, and there is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and they are right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with patience, prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech. I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight and I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, who, all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting, me an, inherit, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old, ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water before, be, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the world with its fields, before the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he had made the firm, firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might tra not transgress, his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates waiting beside my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has honed her seven pillars. 
She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine, and she has set out her table. So has she also sent the young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let them turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me all your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise... You are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house and she takes a seat in the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. And here's what she says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you speak to us this morning as we hear both wisdom calling out for us and we at the same time hear folly calling us to sit at her table. But let us choose wisdom, and may wisdom lead us to the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but Proverbs has really been a tale of two women, hasn't it? I'll introduce them to you. There's a lady named Wisdom, and there's a lady named Folly. Now, for Christians... This is absolutely foundational to our worldview. The Didache, it's an ancient writing, one of the earliest writings of of the church uh, in the first century. It begins like this. It says, there are two ways to live. Life and death. And the distance between those two ways is great. There are two ways, two roads, two houses, and two ladies that are beckoning your name, and they each offer a way to live, and one leads to life, and the other one leads to death. Everyone on this planet is faced with these two options, and only these two options. What this means is that if you are a saddler in Kalalan, Mexico, or a mechanic in Detroit, to the temple worker in Nepal, or an artist in London, or a CEO in the Inner Harbor, or a hustler on Whitelock, or a student at Johns Hopkins University, we are all faced with the same two options. Cultures vary, stories vary, backgrounds are all over the place, stories are complex and different from one another, yet at the same time, we all have two options in front of us. Like, in some ways, humans, we're all a little more similar than we think. 
We all share one big story, and that is the story of a good creator God who created this world and created humans to enjoy Him. That this creation would lead us to enjoying Him. Yet, at the very beginning of this story, humans rebelled against this creator God and said, no, we think we can do it better ourselves. And they disobeyed God, and for this reason, the, the ground, the world, the earth is cursed as well as humans. Humans are cursed by God because we chose to rebel against Him. And the wages of sin is everlasting, death. Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Lady Wisdom is calling your name this morning, and she wants to lead you back to this Creator God. Lady Wisdom says, look, I was, this, is, this is where I'm from. This is where I'm leading you. Let me lead you to Christ. Let me lead you to God. Lady Folly, uh, she basically just wants to seal your fate. She wants to lead you on to your death, to seal it up. Eternal, everlasting hell. Drawing you in like an ox, walking to the slaughter. So each one of you are going to choose this morning. You have to choose. The choice is, I mean, even if you, if you don't think that you have to choose, well, you're choosing. You're choosing one or the other, all right? Everybody chooses. And this morning, I want to put, put the weight of this choice in front of you. I mean, imagine with me, here is Lady Folly, all right? Here she is, and she's staring at you, and she's calling you. And here is Lady Wisdom, and she wants you to listen to her, and she's calling you. Everyone in this room, including myself, is going to walk out with either Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly this morning. It's just that way it's going to happen. So we have to choose this morning. What we see here in these chapters is really the climax of this, this entire introduction to the Proverbs. It climaxes with, with the call to choose. You might remember Lady Wisdom all the way from the beginning. She was the one running through the streets, calling, seeking out whoever would listen to her, whoever would come. You might remember her in chapter 5. She was the, the, the wife of your youth. She was the fountain at home that would give you joy. You might remember her in chapter 7 and 8. She was, she was the one who would keep you from the sedu- seductress. Lady Folly, she was the seductress this entire time. She was the adulteress. She was the one trying to get your attention, leading you with her smooth words to your death. So we are finishing, uh, really, the introduction to Proverbs this morning. So it's taken us 11 sermons to get here and nine chapters, but we are through the introduction of Proverbs. I don't know if you've realized this, but we actually haven't got to the Proverbs yet. That starts in chapter 10. You see that, actually. Look at chapter 10, the Proverbs of Solomon. Now we begin, all right? Uh, What we're going to do, actually, is in two weeks, we're going to Uh, uh, basically look at the rest of chapters 10 through 31, and we're going to draw out the main themes of Proverbs, and we're going to kind of topically, thematically work through the rest of Proverbs in two weeks. In the meantime, let me just give give you a quick heads up. Next Sunday, uh, a guy named Richard Parks will be preaching here. He's a mentor of mine. He is the reason we're in in Maryland, actually, at least the, the human reason. God is the ultimate reason. Uh, but he hired me as a runny-nosed 22-year-old to be a youth pastor at his church uh, in 2003. My wife and I moved here, 
and he's been a, fa- uh, a spiritual father to us. Uh, he's, a, he's a rock in our life, and I'm excited for you guys to be able to hear him again, actually, uh, as he brings the Word of God. And then the week after that, uh, a guy named uh, Brian Davis will be here. He, he's a rapper uh, that goes by God's servant. Um, if you are into the Reformed sort of Christian rap scene, uh, he is there. He's going to be planting a church with Shai Lin in 2015, and uh, I'm excited to have him uh, also speak in two weeks. Uh, check him out online as well. You can listen to some of his music before he gets here. Um, all right, so going back to Proverbs, we've got, a, we've got a choice in front of us. We are left with this climax of here, here are these two ladies, these two women, and they are both calling you. Which one will you choose? Now, before you make your decision this morning, before you say, okay, I'm going to walk out with so-and-so, um, I want to describe them to you. All right, so this is one final description. This is why you want to, I'm, I want, I'll be honest, I think every one of you should choose Lady Wisdom this morning, all right? So the majority of our time is going to be just kind of lavishing you with like wisdom and basically saying this is why you want to choose Lady Wisdom, all right? Some of you might choose Lady Folly, all right? But if you do, I want you to be well aware of your choice. Uh, so let's describe them. What we'll do is we're basically just going to simply do a compare and contrast this morning of Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. So the first compare and contrast is this. Both of these ladies are calling your name. Both of these ladies are calling your name. First, let's look at Lady Wisdom in chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Here we see that she is all throughout the city. She is calling to all who listen. She is at the crossroads. She is at the heights. She is at the city gates. She is, she is in the marketplaces. God is, is trying to get attention. All right? Of who? Who is she calling? Is she calling the elite? Is she calling the religious? Is she calling the old or the, the, the cool young people? Or is she calling those who have earned degrees? Who is she calling? Look at verses 4 and 5. To you, she says, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of man. That would mean the children of Adam. That would mean every single human being she is calling. Not just simply to one people group or the religious or the elite, but everywhere in the city streets, at the, at the gates, in the markets. She is calling all over the place to everyone. And then in particular, we see in verse 5, oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Fools, learn sense. Her heart is set on fools listening to her. Meaning wisdom really is not coming for the arrogant. Not coming for the already wise, but coming for those who are fools and know it coming for those who have been beat down by this world and they are simple and they know it. Those are the people that she is coming after and trying to get their attention, saying, look, all who recognize, if you recognize you're a fool this morning, she is calling your name. Now, Lady Folly also in chapter 9, verse 13 and 15, she's also calling. It says, Women, uh, woman folly is loud. Verse 15, she calls to all who pass by. So she's calling as well all over the place, and she's just as loud. Now, what do they say? Well, first, let's look at Lady Wisdom. All that she says is truth. There in uh, chapter 8, verse 6 and 7, we say, see that Lady Wisdom will never lie to you. She will never say something to you that is, that is going to eventually 
hurt you in some way. Lady Wisdom is always for your good because, everybody say truth, because Lady Wisdom is for truth. And truth leads you to life. She also uh, uh, speaks righteousness. All that she says leads to righteousness. Look at verse 8. All the words on my mouth, this is Lady Wisdom speaking, are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. This means that uh, we are all on this road to the cross, this narrow pathway. There's the cross. Uh, Here on either side of the pathway is a pit. All right? And we are walking this pathway. At the bottom of the pit are these monsters of greed and envy and jealousy and anger and lust and laziness. And these monsters are reaching up from the pit trying to grab your ankles as you walk this narrow road to Christ. And they want to suck you in and pull you in. Wisdom, saying that all that she says is righteous, means that wisdom will keep you on this road. Do you get the picture? So wisdom will not allow you because she speaks righteousness and she says take this next step and now take this step and now take this step. She is leading the blind to Christ. Those who could so easily be slip and, and fall into the pit of sin and death and destruction, she keeps them on the road. All that she says also is straight. In verse 8, we see nothing is twisted or crooked. Verse 9, they are all straight to him who understands. This means that she speaks clearly. She doesn't mince words. You you can can understand what she's saying. Listen, wisdom is not some mystical, sort of hard-to-understand thing that only guys with big white beards get, but rather she speaks in a manner that is straight. You could call her a straight shooter. All right, she tells you like it is. And finally, all that she says are words which lead to your flourishing. Now, this is interesting to me. Look at verses 10 and 11. In in these verses, we see here that that wisdom is more valuable than gold and silver. Everybody think about this. I I don't want to... Wisdom is more valuable than a big salary, than making a lot of cash. Wisdom is more valuable. So stop seeking the salary. Stop seeking the cash. Stop seeking the money and seek wisdom. Now why is wisdom more valuable? Look at the next couple verses in 18 through 20. We see why. Riches and honor, she says, are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. And my yield is better than choice silver. Meaning, um, the, the blessings that will follow a life of wisdom are better than what you would get from your 401k that is stocked full. And we're not just, we're not just talking here material wealth. Like Wisdom basically says, look, um, forget this crappy earthly stuff. All right, Forget the, the car that's going to rust. Forget the house that's going to fall apart. A roof that you'll need to replace. Forget the cash that's just going to be drained and, 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 and uh, uh, lead you into all sorts of, I don't know, pursuing happiness through stuff. Forget this earthly crap. I'm offering you something that is better. Something with a better yield than money. 
It has a better yield than a 401k in cash. Now, often, here's the reality. This is where it gets even more interesting, I think, is often those who live life with wisdom are successful. All right, so we're not talking about the prosperity gospel kind of successfulness, like do this, pray this prayer, and God's going to hook you up and you're going to be successful. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. But when we live life in the way that God intended us to live, guess what? We are good workers. We make wise decisions. We are wise with our money. We steward our friendships well. And we become a people uh, that, that others want to follow. And we see this here in the text. Wisdom is sort of the secret behind all true. And I'm going to put true in big capital letters there. The secret behind all true success. Look at, uh, look at verse 15. We see that kings who uh, rule with justice have wisdom as their secret. Verse 16, princes and nobles who rule well with justice, uh, secret is behind them. Police officers, community leaders, pastors, fathers and mothers, mayors, city council persons, governors, presidents, who, who lead well, who are just, who make sometimes hard decisions, but right decisions. The secret behind their success, their true success, is wisdom. Wisdom is their, oh, the, the common grace of God that, that reigns on sinners as well as those who are redeemed. So let me paint these portraits for you. Lady Folly, well, she is beautiful. She is going to get your attention with her, her looks. Her, her uh, words are smooth, they are sweet, yet they are bitter. They have a bitter end. There is a bitter aftertaste after you receive her words. They go down well, they get on smooth, it's so good. And then your throat starts to swell up. And your heart starts to slow. And you think to yourself, that wasn't honey after all, was it? This is poison. And the bitter end sets in. All right, so, but listen, she's beautiful. All right? Lady Wisdom, on the other hand, she is not um, attractive at first glance. I mean, we can see here that often her words uh, are, are hard to swallow. Words of truth. Let me, show you, let me show you some verses here really quick. Uh, look at verse, chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. It says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. He who reproves a wicked man in, incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer. He will hate you. Reprove a wise man. He will love you. Give instruction to a wise man. He will still be wiser. What is that saying? It says, well, first of all, there's one group of people that wisdom actually doesn't go to. She doesn't waste her time with them, and that's the scoffers. Those who, uh, when rebuked, become your enemy. When wisdom, wisdom reproves this man or this woman, uh, this man or this woman now hates wisdom. You see, wisdom is not initially attractive because her words often come with rebuke, with reproof, with correction. 
her words often come with caution, or sometimes her words come with a big, fat, resounding no. Don't do that. Her words are hard to swallow, but listen, there is no bitter aftertaste. Her words have, a, have only a sweetness when they are swallowed. They lead to a better life. They lead to life itself. Those who listen to wisdom and they swallow these sometimes difficult words, they are a people who live life well with a sweetness. So how can we know whether we are listening to Lady Folly or Lady Wisdom? Well, here's how. Here's a test. Can you receive reproof? Can you be rebuked well? Or are you defensive? Do you get angry? Let me ask it this way. Does the fact that the Garden Church is a church that is willing to discipline you if you continue in unrepentant, blatant sin, does that encourage you? Or does that make you angry? Can you say, yes, thank you for being a church that's willing to kick me out? Or would you say, I don't want anything to do with a church that would take sin seriously? Are you listening to wisdom or are you listening to folly? Do you have the capacity in your soul to listen to wisdom? Now listen, some of you might say, well, I get that in theory, but in reality, humans often rebuke and they're wrong. Humans often will reprove and they're actually wrong in their reproof. Well, that's true. But the fool says everybody's wrong. The fool says every rebuke is wrong. You don't understand me. You don't understand where I come from. You don't understand my background. You don't get it. You don't get me. The wise understands that humans are flawed. But with every rebuke and reproof, correction with the wise, the wise say, at the very least, they say, you know, I don't know if I agree with you, but I will examine myself. Thank you for being willing to correct me. Let me pray about that. Are you listening to Lady Folly or Lady, Lady Wisdom? Now, um, next question. How are these our only two options? You might say, like, aren't there more than just these two options, these two roads, these two houses, these two ladies? Well, here's why the, these are our only two options. It's because these two ladies are ingrained into the world in two very important ways. And let me show you. First, first, Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom is wired into the creation of this world. So we see in chapter 8, verses 22 through 31, that she was there. Look at verse 22. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. She was there, before the depths before the mountains and before the hills were created and before the, there, was, there was dirt on the earth, wisdom says, I, said, I was there, like I'm that old, all right? I was with God since be, before anything was created. When God then established the earth, in verse 30, 
when the foundations of the earth were put in place, when the seas were created. Look at verse 30. Then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Three things from this. Number one, God used wisdom to create the world. This wisdom that is trying to get your attention, this wisdom that God is offering uh, to you this morning to live your life by that will lead you to Him, that is the very same wisdom that God used in creating the world. Let me explain this. Imagine that you are in rural Kansas and you have to water your crops. How are you going to water your crops when there are no large bodies of water around? Well, I have an idea. What if water were to just fall from the sky? Well, how's that going to happen? Well, here's how. Let's evaporate water out of the Gulf. So it like, becomes uh, warm, wet air. Let's now carry this hundreds of miles across the land, now over Kansas, and now let's go through another, whole, uh, another process where this This air now uh, turns back into water. And instead of just dumping it all at the same time, let's let's drop in little drops. And let's shower the crops in water so that you might grow them, so that you might eat them. Wisdom says, you like that? That was me. That was my idea. See, God's wisdom created this world. Not only that, but wisdom rejoices in the world that it's created. So think of it, God, in, God loves in his wisdom rejoicing in his creation. You know there are sea creatures that humans will never see with our naked eye? Why are they there? Well, an evolutionist would say that that's proof that God doesn't exist. A Christian would say it's because God enjoys creation. Guys, there are, there are aspects of this world and this, this universe that we will never see that God just sits back and just enjoys to watch. He loves watching these beasts at the bottom of the sea move in the way that he created them to move. He rejoices in his creation. Also, he rejoices particularly in the children of man humans. Meaning that God enjoys watching you sleep. He enjoys watching you work and and do things in the way that he's created you to do them and to love and to to care for one another and, and to pour yourself out in service. He loves watching us, you. And we then are designed and wired to enjoy God's creation as well. And so we are to look at the world and uh, I, I love, fall is my favorite season, all right? This is partly why, in addition to the weather, the, the colors are phenomenal, all right? So drive, if you, if you can, drive to the eastern shore sometime this fall, and it's beautiful. It really is. Like, I, I used to live over there for a couple of years, and you drive past this field that is now sort of like brown, and the, the crops are all gone. It's beautiful. I mean, the colors just blend together. There is never in nature uh, a, a color that clashes with another color. Like, God is a wonderful artist. 
John Calvin, he put it this way. He said, uh, let me find this quote. He said, there is not one blade of grass, no color in this world that is not intended to make you rejoice. You know, we are wired to look at all that God, through His wisdom, created, and we are wired to rejoice in the Creator, to just well up with joy as we experience this world in which we live. Yet, Lady Folly is present. Now, Lady Folly is almost as old, not quite. Actually, she's not nearly as old, but she's old. Uh... Look at, look at verses 35 and 36. Wisdom says, Forever find, Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from God, but he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. Wisdom is wired into creation. Lady Folly is wired into the fall. Do not eat of this fruit, for on that day that you eat it, you will surely die. Folly loves to take a piece of God's creation and use it against him. Folly loves to take a piece of creation and, say, and, and, and place it in front of you and say, forget the creator, worship this. And so then we as these broken, fallen human beings, we then, uh, instead of creation uh, welling up with us, within us this praise and, and glory uh, toward God, instead we choose whatever we think to be our favorite part of creation and we worship that. Well, this is what folly has been doing since the fall. Since Adam and Eve said, I'm going to worship this. And I'm going to worship this. Man, folly is old and she is wired into creation. This is why, listen, this is important, this is why her words are smooth and sweet. This is why it's easy for us to swallow her words, because we are not born wise. We are born uh, in a marriage with Lady Folly. We are born listening to Lady Folly. And so Lady Wisdom comes along and her words seem strange to us. They go against the sinful nature, this corruption that is present in each one of us fallen beings. Lady Folly is ingrained into the fall of this world, and our souls have been infected now all along, and today, this morning, each Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom are offering you to a feast Here's our third compare and contrast. Lady Wisdom's feast is in her home in chapter 9, verse 1. A home that she built with her own hands, seven pillars, which means that this is a wealthy home. This is a well-constructed home. Poor homes would not have seven pillars. This is a home that has been built well. This means that Jesus is offering us something that is solid and beautiful. He's not giving us anything that is shabby. Do you understand that? So here she's offering you a feast in her home. Now Lady Folly is also offering you into a feast in her home, period. Like uh, It's a home that she did not build. Someone else built the home that she is living in. Just keep that in mind. 
Now, let's look at their feast. So, Lady Wisdom has a feast. There in verse 2, we see that she has a slaughtered beast. We see that she has homemade wine. This means that she has on the grill the best steak you can imagine. And good wine. She pours the finest glass. You see, we often think of life with God or life in heaven as a boring place to be. Does anybody ever kind of think like that? Like just from images from your childhood, like there we are in heaven and we're all wearing white robes and uh, there are little creepy baby angels with, with wings and they're sitting on marshmallow clouds and we're sort of like this kind of, we're, we're, we're kind of, uh, I don't know, you can kind of see through everybody in this weird sort of way and, and uh, there are, there's harps, uh, that's the music uh, of the day, not my favorite instrument. Um, a lot of times we think of uh, heaven as somewhat of a boring place. The Bible doesn't describe heaven like that at all. No, the, the, Bible, the Bible describes heaven as uh, uh, grilling out with great steak and good wine. All right, you want a picture of heaven? There you go. I mean, I'm serious. We see it here. We see it Isaiah. Uh, I've, I've read this before in this church. Let me just remind you of this passage uh, in in. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 5, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for, <clears throat> excuse me, for all of his peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. It goes on to say, uh, full of marrow, meat, and well-aged wine. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Lady Folly, all, all, she also offers you a feast. But we see her feast in verse 17 and 18 of chapter 9. is a feast of stolen water and stolen bread. There in verse uh, 17, she seems to think that food that is stolen tastes better. It's sweet. She's, isn't it sweet? Isn't it good? She seems to think that food that has been, um, been stolen from someone else who worked for it she seems to think that the life where we can just kind of sit back and let everybody take care of us and do things for us and we can take advantage of people and live off of other people is a better life. Isn't, it, isn't that a good life? Isn't that sweet? And she's drawing us in. But we see that this fool who who's buys into this and he walks into her house to sit at her table. In verse 18, we see that she's offering them a meal that is not only stolen, but it's a meal that is poisoned. Look at verse 18. He, do, he doesn't know that the dead are there. He doesn't know that, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. As he's sitting there at her table eating this, this stolen bread, which is so sweet, and stolen water, which is so, so, so good, uh, he doesn't know that underneath the floorboards are bodies. Bodies with swollen bellies filled with the same stolen bread and water. He doesn't realize it until his own tongue begins to swell and his own stomach begins to ache. And the end sets in. Lady Folly offers uh, a feast that leads to your death. Lady Wisdom in contrast, offers a feast that leads to your 
life. Look at verse, verse, uh, verse 5. We see here that Lady, Lady Wisdom is, is just simply and plainly pleading with now the fool. I mean, she is looking right at the fool, and she's pleading, and this is what she says in verse 5, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Eat my bread, and drink my wine. My bread is a bread that will sustain you and keep you. My wine is a wine that will give you life. Bread and wine. Bread and wine throughout the Scriptures is a symbol of life. It's a symbol of, of being filled, uh, of being satisfied with the meal. And friends, this is Christ talking, isn't it? These are really the words of Christ a thousand years before His incarnation. As Christ came and was the bread and the wine, He was the feast, He was the meal. Eat my bread and drink my wine, she pleads with the sinner. Jesus says this in John chapter 6, verse 56. He says, whoever eats of my flesh and whoever drinks my blood remains in me, and I remain in them. You know the early Christians were accused of being cannibals? Because they always talked about eating the flesh of Christ. They always talked about drinking the blood of Christ, and so the pagans thought, oh, they're cannibals. Uh, the, 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 they didn't understand that this isn't a physical meal, but this is a spiritual meal. This isn't a, a, a physical filling, but it's a spiritual filling in which Christ, well, let's back up, Lady Folly is offering you a feast of beasts, of these evil beasts, laziness and sinfulness and wickedness and despair and, and, and hopelessness and anger and lust and, and pride, uh, thinking highly of yourself, worrying about what everybody else thinks and trying to get their approval. This is the feast that Lady, Off Lady Folly offers, the feast, however, that Christ offers is a feast of His own flesh and His own blood. His own bread and His own wine. For when we feast off of the bread of Christ, off of His flesh, we are relying in His flesh and not ours. We are filled with His body and not ours. We are relying and filled with His righteousness, His active obedience before the Father, not my own. For listen, the fool doesn't get it. The fool believes that we can be sinless. The fool believes that we can somehow, in, in some ways, earn our favor with God. Oh, how foolish this fool is. For there is none righteous, no, not one. There is not enough good that we can do to work off our sin. But there is more grace in God than there is sin in us. For in our Savior, Jesus Christ, we have an obedience that is enough for us. God places His obedience on us and He declares us righteous. And we feed then off of His life, off of His body, His flesh, His bread. 
His wine, His blood is sufficient. For His blood forgives our sin. Listen, what we don't need is another Oprah conference about how you can have your best life. And here are some lists to give you. Here are some inspiring stories. No, what humanity needs is this. Humanity needs this message that you are forgiven of your sins. You see, the, the core problem in life is not the fact that we don't think highly of ourselves. It's not simply the fact that we don't have the right people around us. The core problem is that we are sinners. And we have enmity between us and God. But the blood of Christ is sufficient to save you from your sins. How are you forgiven of your sins? Well, you're forgiven by Christ shedding His blood for you as the perfect sacrifice in your place, taking the judgment of God in His own body. And then God places that upon you and you're covered now in His blood and God declares you free. The penalty has been paid. His blood is enough for you, so we drink of His blood. We, we, we drink His wine and we find that it is sufficient Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Communion is a means of grace which prepares us for the great feast that wisdom is leading us to. While these elements of bread and wine, they are symbolic, they simultaneously nourish our hearts as we understand what Christ has done for us on the cross. It's not the cracker or the juice that does anything. But it's the Holy Spirit of God working in us, reminding us of who we are and who Christ is. And every week as we come to this table and as we take this bread and as we take this wine, this mini feast, if you would, our hearts are being nourished in the gospel. Our faith is being nourished in the gospel. We are reminded week after week that Christ is sufficient. He fills us in the way that nothing else will. This is why coming to this table and eating this feast, while blatantly ignoring rebellion against God in your life, just simply makes a mockery of what Christ offers. This is like going to Wisdom's house on Sunday and pretending like you're listening to Wisdom and eating her bread and drinking her wine while Monday through Saturday you're hanging out at Lady, Lady Folly's house and you're drinking her stolen water and her bread that is poison. There are two, cho two choices. We don't walk like this, arm in arm, with each lady. There are two choices. Which one will you choose this morning? Now this is our last final comparison. Both of them are pleading with you. They both are pleading with you. Wisdom is pleading that you feed on Christ this morning. 
Wisdom is pleading with you that you drink on Christ this morning and find a right standing before God. Come to me, all you who are weary, Jesus said, and all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, I hope that you walk with Lady Wisdom, for Lady Wisdom will walk you to Christ. Let's pray. Father, as we are faced with these two choices in front of us, uh, let us not ignore wisdom's call. Let us see that your wisdom is what we need to live this life rightly. Even though often your wisdom is difficult to swallow, it it leads us to to a, a... more enjoyable, sweet life than we can ever imagine for ourselves. May we walk with wisdom and may we forsake folly and may we find Christ to be sufficient and may we feed off of His bread, His wine, His body, His blood. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.